Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. How's everybody doing this morning? Amen. First of all, uh, you already know that we have a blessed praise and worship team. So please, let's honor where honor is due. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to thank everybody for coming out today and hearing the word of God and giving. Um, I have some great people that I want to just talk about before I get into the word. Uh, Some people know and some people don't know, Pastor Jeff Becker just celebrated 40 years of ministry. Yes. And I wanted to personally say, Pastor Jeff, thank you for blessing the city of Aurora countries around the world with the word of God that has touched so many different lives. He got that from his father, Pastor G.E. Becker and Sister Joanne Becker, which is right here. Over 50 years of serving the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. If you ever want to see heaven open up, this is a perfect example right here. Hallelujah. For those that don't know who she is, she is the pillar of this church. Amen. Her husband could had a third grade education, if that, and can pretty much quote every scripture in the Bible. I would always say that he would never quote a scripture. He always quoted chapters. He could quote until there was no more quotes. And uh, I love him and I miss him. Pastor Jeff, thank you for your ministry for over 40 years. And of course, I have to honor Pastor Jamin. (laughs) Y'all already know. Pastor Jamin's a bad boy. (laughs) He's not a boy. It's a term of endearment. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's my pastor and sister Olga. And check this out. We're talking about living under an open heaven. All right. But there's more examples here. I I also want to honor my sister Valerie. Valerie opened her home yesterday to the women. I, th- I believe it was my wife. It was Bridget. It was Nikki and invited the women out just to commune. So thank you for that, Valerie. Amen. I also have to acknowledge my sister Lita over here. Lita, how many hours a week you work? Four hundred, five hundred hours a week. But she gets up at four thirty, five thirty in the morning and she works out with some of the women in the church. Right. Amen. <laughs> We got a lot of people that do a lot of things for the body of Christ. They got Simon traveling all over the planet, but he represents the city of Aurora with the word of God. So thank you, Simon. Thank you. Bridget, all the stuff that you do behind the scenes. And I can go down the list. Brother Jerry, I see you, Reverend, over there on the cut. I saw uh, Brother Jerry online on Facebook, went live and started preaching. I said, check that out. You guys got to check him out. Uh, And then, of course, I have to... uh, Give honor when honor is due uh, to my son, Joshua. Joshua has a ministry. It's called YWBD Live and his beautiful wife, Hannah. Uh, They're in over 47 countries, over a million imprints, and now he is an author of a book. Amen. Those are just examples of people that are operating under an open heaven. And then we're also going to be, you know, praying later for my brother and sister, Teresa, uh, James and Teresa that'll be uh, leaving us soon. So uh, I love you, brother. Thank you for all the years and what you've been doing. 
You're going to be a blessing where you're going. And pastor's going to pray a little bit later for that. That's what we do. We need examples of the word of God and, and in people's lives so you can see exactly what's going on. Uh, we have a youth ministry, CIA, and then we have Carlise and Kyle, all the stuff that you do for the youth. Thank you very much for that. I can't forget my, my brother who, who I just, I don't know why I love him so much. He just tickles me so much. Pastor Beto. <laughs> Pastor Beto opens up his home. And he usually has like 250 people there all the time. So thank you for that, Pastor. And I'm, I'm just giving you simple examples of people in the church that are operating in the word of God, that are opening their homes. And there's so many more. I apologize if I can't say everybody. You know, Pastor Jamin has this great memory, and I do too. But, but I just wanted to acknowledge just a couple people that are doing some of the things that are showing that we are under an open heaven. Amen. Uh, it's a good look. Now, when you are living under an open heaven, I want you all to be able to take some notes because I have some ideas for you to just kind of munch on when you get home, okay? Living under an open heaven, let's first understand what you are actually declaring. Hear me when I tell you this and follow me. Now, when I get into the word, uh, I, I usually try to dive in deep and, and by no way do I ever try to be religious um, because I realize how important relationship is with God. So when I talk to you, I'm talking always from a relationship standpoint. So if there's some religious dogma that you say, eh, that's because I'm not. But when you hear the relationship part, you understand where I'm coming from. So anytime you uh, live under an open heaven, look at what you're declaring. You are declaring, Heavenly Father, I want full and total access to your throne. Amen? Hear me when I say, just walk with me. I'm saying, Father, I want full and total access to your throne. Now, check this out. Let's just bring this back a little practical. Full and total access requires a few things. I couldn't just walk up in your house and do whatever, right? I couldn't just come to Tim's house and go for his biscuits and gravy. I can't just walk up in Beto's house and get his burritos and his tacos and, and, or, or, or Valerie's guac. I can't just walk up in anybody's house and do anything I want without first them trusting me, second them giving me authority, uh, them giving me access codes to their home. If I'm going to have free and total access, I'm going to have to have the access codes to the alarm, right? If I don't have the trust, if I don't have those access, if I don't have the authority, I can know them. But without those things and me trying to get in, it's called illegal entry. I am trying to enter in illegally, regardless of the relationship, without the authority of the owner of the home. Amen. So when you say to yourself, Father, I want total access of heaven. You are saying you trust me. I have your authority. You've given me total access. Amen. Anything outside of that is illegal because you don't have the authority. You see, Jesus said this, which was awesome. Uh, 
to back that up. See, it's one thing to know someone. It's another thing to know someone. Okay? I can run around and saying, hey, hey, uh, I'm cool with so-and-so, but, but they're not just going to let me up in their house. Right? So Jesus said this in the scriptures. He said it in Matthew 7, 21. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, um, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not come to church? Have we not hooked up with impact? Have we not went out July 4th and passed out water in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or a legal entry attempt. See, what's happening is this. There's a different and deeper relationship that's required to have full access. Amen? You can't just say you know somebody to get what that person has. Last week, Pastor Beto said this. He said that when Jesus was dying, the veil was ripped in half. And, 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 and that veil being ripped was the access code to heaven. And Jesus ripped it. It said it was ripped from the top down. It wasn't ripped from the... I know that uh, Demontre back there is into comics. Uh, so when I see this top down type of... Demontre, what does this mean? Superman, right? When the veil was ripped, the veil was replaced with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father but through me. Jesus is the door. The veil was there. Now there's the door. And that door is Jesus. So you can't get to the Father. You can't have full access without going through Jesus. Let me make it a little bit more practical. Has anybody ever seen those, uh, the, the ring doorbells? Do you know what that is? The ring doorbell is when you come to somebody's crib Ding dong. And then the owner of the house can look on their electronic device and they'll see an image. Who's ever at the door? God is looking when you ring that doorbell. God is looking at that image. Then he's looking at his son. Then he's looking at that image. If he does not see the image of his son, you're not getting in the door. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. So when God looks at that, he's going to ask his son, you know my man's in him? Jesus is going to be like, yeah, that's shorty. I can get down with that. Yeah. Go ahead, let him in. Yeah, man. Boom. Now you're in. A lot of times, check this out. A lot of times we can have access to something and that's still not enough. Has anybody ever got a, uh, a new iPhone? It ain't no good till it's activated. Come on now. So you can have access to heaven, but it really doesn't mean anything till you access the resources of heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? In order for you to really operate under an open heaven, you have not only have to get the, 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 the access, 
but you have to activate the resources of heaven. Now, check this out. This is, I was so excited about this piece to share this with you all. (laughs) I was really excited about this because I said, man, we have to get this piece, okay? Does any, has anybody ever heard that Jesus was called the Lamb of God? Amen? You've heard that, right? Has anybody ever heard Jesus being called the Lion of the tribe of Judah? Okay, right? But has anybody ever heard Jesus being called the King of Kings? (laughs) You heard about a lamb. You heard about a lion. But I want to give you the King of Kings. Now, us as Democrats and living in a a democracy, we really don't have a real deep concept of how kingdoms work. See, we vote our leaders into office, right? That's not in a kingdom. Kingdoms don't do that. The people don't have too much to say. It's what the king says. And we have to get to a position where we understand that we serve the king of kings. Amen? Now, in that, when you understand that you are dealing with royalty, there's a certain protocol that kings are used to. Let me give you an an earthly example. Has anybody ever heard of the Queen of England? Okay, you just don't walk up to the Queen of England. She's always wearing gloves, right? Why? And this is something that I've learned. There's like 20, 30 different things that's etiquette for the Queen of England. Let me show you. When I shake the Queen's hand, she goes, one, two. That's it. Anything over two shakes means she's showing favor. So she cannot shake more than two shakes. Uh, You can't bring your cell phones around the queen because the kingdom has to control all communications. When she's at the table, when she's eating, soon as she puts her fork down, everybody puts their fork down. That's it. When it comes to what you wear, you, you can't show legs or, or above the knee. You can't wear an, a high heel over two inches. You have to wear a hat. But most importantly, in practicing royalty etiquette, the most important thing when it comes to kingdoms <laughs> is you can never come into the presence of a king without presenting your gift. Listen very carefully. You can never come into the presence of a king without presenting your gift. Your gift will show you the value that you place on the king. Okay? Remember, you can never come into the presence of a king without your gift. But the gift you bring shows the value that you have on that king. Royal protocol works this way. Whenever a king receives a gift, he gives back to the individual based on his glory, his reputation, and his kingdom resources. So the receiving king knows you can never outgive me. 
and I'm going to bless you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. People will know that you've been in the presence of the king. Now, this is royal protocol across the world. Let me give you an example. Let's go to. And, I'm, and, and this is how to activate and open heaven over your lives. We're talking about activating the kingdom of heaven over your lives. So we've established this. Whenever you come into the presence of a king, you must bring a gift that shows how you value the king. If we can go to the scriptures, first king tithes. What chapter is that? It's 10. <laughs> first king 10. <laughs> I had a kick out of that one. I made that up. Let me read it. I'm going to show you something. Okay. Here is an exchange. Has anyone ever heard of the Queen of Sheba? Some have, some haven't. Has anyone ever heard of King Solomon? Richest man ever to live, right? Well, this is an exchange of royal protocol. Listen very carefully. Now, when the, and I'm reading from 1 Kings 10 all the way down to 14, but I'm going to skip some up in there. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, let me stop there for one second. How many people know people that are famous? But how many people know people that are famous because of the name of the Lord? That is a fame that I have no problem with looking for. Or everything else I could care less about. But when you understand uh, what that fame did, check this out. It attracted. Okay. Concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Has any of you uh, Christians ever had a hard question? Like, should I go to church? <laughs> Is... What time is church getting over with? <laughs> Who is this brother up here? <laughs> he was tested with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a, check this out. She came to Jerusalem with a very great renew, retinue, and that's a posse, that's associates, that's her wise people in council around her, with camels that bore spices, very much gold, and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon... She spoke to him about all that was in her heart. This is real cool how they did this. Let me read that one more time. She came to Jerusalem with very great retinue, her people. She came with camels that bore spices, very much gold, she, uh, precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke to him about all that was in her heart. So she shows up. She has these gifts. She gives it to him. Once she gives it to him because it's royal protocol to give first, he sits down and he talks to her, right? So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She passed out. <laughs> then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words, de wisdom, words of wisdom. 
That's a faith tab joke. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. Sound like somebody in the New Testament? And indeed, the half was not told to me. So we can literally say she didn't know the half. Your wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you up on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. She gave her stuff and she blessed him with this conversation. Check this out, royal protocol. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There has never again came such an abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to Solomon. It almost sounds at the beginning she gave her tithes. Once she knew the king, she gave offering. When she first showed up, she just gave him some camels with some spices and a little sprinkle of gold. It said, then, once she heard him, she gave out of her abundance. Because then she understood the value of the king. How many times have we come to church with tithe on our mind and we just pop it in here and say, here you go, Lord, boom. And then we start to realize once that word starts to root into our heart, we say, Lord, Tithing is real cool, but I can't help but give. And I'm not just talking money. I'm talking your time. I'm talking your talents. I'm talking your abilities. I'm talking your resources. I'm talking your conversation. She couldn't stop. She had in her mind, let me check him out. It had to be proven first before she gave. It was royal protocol for her to come into the presence of a king. And to give. So, saints, I'm telling you, when you come into the presence of a king, you're going to have this unction in your spirit to want to give. Now, check this out. This is the beautiful part. You're going to want to give to the person next to you, the person sitting in front of you, the person behind you, the people at work. Your giving doesn't stop here. This is what activates the king. And now that he's been activated, he can move through you. Amen? But it don't stop there. Because when you have a king with resources, he will not be outgiven. Now, check this out. Go from, skip down to 13. Now, King Solomon gave Queen of Sheba all, listen, all she desired Whatever she asked for, besides what Solomon had given her, according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went her way to her own country with her servants. So check this out. There is a royal generosity that he was going to naturally give her. Because that's protocol. King gives to me. I see what they give. I see the value that they have on my life. Now I'm going to bless them based on my royal generosity. But he went above that. He want to, how many people want to live that above life? How many people want to do exactly what King Solomon did and say, you know what, Father? I just don't want to receive. I want to be able to give them everything that they have in their heart. I want to give them the word, and I want you to use me to activate the kingdom of God in their life. Amen. Amen. 
Now, King Solomon gave to Sheba all she desired. And that's what Pastor Jamie was preaching about. Whatever she asked, besides that, uh, whatever she asked, there's a, there's a beautiful relationship here of this give and take. He was prepared to answer her questions. She was in the presence of a king and she was a queen. This is just royal communion going on right here. Okay? This is royal communion going on right here. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's see how, how, how another uh, um, royal protocol looks. Go to Matthew 2. Find it in my iPad. This is so awesome to me because if we can get in our spirits that we just don't serve an empty cross, an empty tomb, we serve a king that's alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the alpha and omega. He is the king of kings. When you get that in your spirit, the value of Jesus in your life changes. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem (laughs) of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, this is so gangster. Y'all got to check this out. Wise men came, right? But this was a gangster move they did. I saw this and I was just laughing to myself. Behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, okay, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Herald was the king. They say, we don't really care who you are, brother, but where is the king of the Jews? Did you know at the beginning of Jesus's ministry and birth, he was called the king of the Jews. And then when he died on the cross, there was a sign that said what? King of the Jews. Obviously, he was a king. Amen. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. When a king is around, there's a certain protocol that you respond to. Has there any, anybody in here been in the military? Let me see your hand. I know who you all are. <laughs> when an officer comes in the room, what do you do, Simon? Say it again. Stand up at attention. Why? Respect, honor. It's military protocol to acknowledge the officers. Right? Right, Lita? You didn't cause no trouble in the military, did you? You was in that shower in the corner witnessing. (laughs) I remember you. (laughs) She was winning souls while he was standing at attention. (laughs) I'm just measuring with you, Simon. (laughs) You did go to East, right? No, (laughs) No, I'm just teasing. Uh, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we see his star and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. 
And when he had gathered all his chief priests and, and his people together, he said to them, where is this Christ to be born? You notice that he called him the Christ, the anointed one. He's the right one to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not the least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod had secretly caused the wise men determined uh, from them. Uh, which star had appeared. Now, here we go. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him back to me that I may come and also worship him. Even though he was lying, the protocol was to worship the king. Amen. They heard the king and departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east before him They followed it till they found where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly joy. When they had come into the house, now listen, you know how in in Christmas time they always say have Jesus in the manger, and then they show all the the wise men giving the gifts? Something's different here, right? This is a couple years later, right? Because he wasn't in the manger, he was in a house. Stop thinking Jesus was broke. Anyway. Okay. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly glad joy. And they had come into the house. They saw the young child, not baby, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. History tells us that they had a caravan of about 600 And they brought this to the child, Jesus, because it is protocol when you are looking for a king and you find that king, you do not come into the presence of a king without your gift. I believe, and I was praying for this, that everyone in here has that star over your head to where God is sending his magi special people in your life to bring heavenly resources to your life. So just like the child Jesus, when he needed resources as a young child, he had those men to bring it to a good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So men given to your bosom, those that want to receive from the king, receive it in Jesus name. This isn't about how to just constantly uh, give and, and, and take from God. This is about understanding the relationship of what value means to you. Let me ask you a question. When you value something, it costs you something. Amen? Here, let me back it up this way. Is there any Mexicans in the house that have experienced a quinceanera? Quinceaneras can go anywhere from five dollars to $20,000. I've been to some. My sons have been, the. what do you call the... the Chambalam. Is that it? <laughs> I think that's it. My bad. Okay. <laughs> Y'all help me later. But a quinceanera, because the parents love and respect and value their child, they'll spend whatever they can. Let's take it up another notch. Anybody ever been or heard of a bar mitzvah? Thirty to sixty thousand dollars. Got a Jewish person right there? You know I had to go there. 
<laughs> one Jew in the whole building. Any other Jew? No, it's my wife. <laughs> but then when you value something, whether it's a quinceanera, whether it's a, a, a bar mitzvah, or let's say, for instance, you're, 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 you're motivated financially. Anybody ever heard of Warren Buffett? Warren Buffett is considered the world's greatest investor. He's worth about $67 billion. Because people value him so much, they will pay anywhere from $3.5 to $4.5 million for lunch. Lunch. Because they value something. Three for lunch. Here's another example. I seen my son do this, and I didn't know what he was doing. So he was walking like this. I said, I said, what are you doing? He said, I got on my Jordans. I said, why are you walking like that? Because I can't get no wrinkles in them. I said, well, how much are they gym shoes? He said, no, dad, these are Jordans. And I'm like looking at him. And, and then, so what did I do as a father? I took them and put them in the grass. He said, no, not my Jordans. And then he picked them up and he tiptoed, took, it, took his shoes. He valued those Jordans. And he was walking around like this because he valued those Jordans. Then I realized something else, that there was a value that hit me in my spirit when I was studying this. And I think the scripture is John 3:16. For God so loved, for God so valued the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because each and every one of you are here are valued. You're loved. You're valued. Um, and, and I just want to say this to my young ladies in the building. When you live the life of an open heaven, your legs stay closed. Remember that. There's a lot of people running around here that will try to come to you and say, yo, let's go ahead and get that Bible study on. You know what I'm saying? Let me holler at you. I just got this scripture. I saw this online, but when you value an open heaven and you have activated the love of God, your legs stay closed. Amen. The value you get from the love and the word of God is going to cost you something. And I'm almost done. Jesus said this. Now, now before I get to that scripture. Jesus said this in, in uh, Luke 21, 1 through 4. Can you put that up, please? And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all, for all these put in out of their abundance, out of their offerings for God, but she, she put in out of her poverty, all that she had. If I was to take $5,000 and put $5,000 in the offering, but I had $500,000 in my account, does it sound like I gave a lot? Not really. I gave 1%. But if I had $50, 
and I put in the offering and I have $51 in the bank, I've given my all. You see, the quantity is only matched by the value you put in your heart. That's why it's important that you, when you come to church as brothers and sisters in Christ, that you check with your Father in heaven first. Do that heart check. Anytime I do offering and Pastor Jamin has been kind enough to let me come up here and share some thoughts. God is a cardiologist. I've always said that. He will check your heart. He's not worried about the account because remember when you give to the king, just based on royal generosity and royal protocol, he's going to give it back to you. That's why you have to give out of the value in which you have. Jesus said this, when you understand the value of who's in your presence in Luke 19, 38, they screamed and said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees said and called to him to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples for screaming like that. But Jesus says something very interesting. I tell you, if I shut them up and keep them silent, even the stones would cry out. There's a scripture also in James 2.19. You believe, a lot of y'all believe that there's a God. That's cool. That's well to do. But even the demons believe and tremble. It always seems like mankind is the only thing that can't get it right. Rocks can get it right. Demons can get it right. But when it comes to us worshiping, showing value to the king of kings, we're the ones who got all the questions. We have to understand the value. If a rock sees the value, how much more should I? A couple more scriptures. These are set you free. These, these, these are scriptures that we got to live by. And uh, question for you. And, and I'm always on this tip. So no matter who I talk to, I'm always going to see you as a king and a priest. Because that's what God sees you as. Yes, <laughs> you all could meet me in the back and say, but Elder Clarence or Swan or Clarence the Great. And I'm just kidding. I got a lot of nicknames. Aren't we all just sinners? We were sinners. But he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. But your title no longer is sinner. Your title is son or daughter. And that son or daughter is a, an authoritative position in your life. When you understand who you are, you can put more value on who he is. Amen. This is important for you to get into your system because it's going to reflect on how we treat each other. When you're living under an open heaven and you have full access to the throne of God because you have value with him with your whole heart, you're going to activate his royal generosity on your behalf. Not because you have to, not because you need to, it's because you want to. So this is what's going to happen in the church. Acts 2. 44 through 47. Now all who believe were together and they had all things in common. 
and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually, daily with one another in in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity and heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is what happens. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, Who's in the midst? Jesus. Where two or three are gathered. Here, let me show you. Uh, Josh, sweetie. Two or three, right? Jesus is in the midst. Okay? If Jesus is in the midst, did I just not uh, exhort you and encourage you that when a king is present, you bring your gifts? So if I have a king present, I have a queen present, you sit down, should I not bring a gift? (laughs) Let me explain it. What happened in Acts is they start to realize who's in the midst. So if I'm invited over to your house, would it not be royal protocol for me to bring a small gift? I remember back in the day where we used to take pastors out for, for, for lunch till your family kept growing. Nah. <laughs> I like, hold up. It was cool when Pastor Jamin was at Firepower. Now this brother got all kind of people. <laughs> but, back in the day we used to, but back in the day, we used to bless the pastor. Now it's the pressure of the pastor to bless the people. If you go over someone's house, try this. Royal generosity slash brotherly hospitality. It is part of our nature. If I invite you over my house, I'm not expecting a gift, but I'm going to have one for you. If you invite me over your house, I'm going to bring a gift because there's a king present. Because where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. And we're not giving to man because they can abuse it. My wife and I was blessed with it. Check this out. Years ago, Pastor Jeff, the one I was uh, excited about earlier, my wife and I were, were, we just didn't have any money. We was broke as a joke. And we didn't tell nobody we was broke because we never looked broke. (laughs) But Pastor Jeff knew. So one day, Pastor Jeff, Sister Barb, Pastor Jamin, Johnny, Jill uh, came over to the house. This is before the twins and everybody else was born. We ate dinner. Stacy fixed one of her pre-keto meals. <laughs> Pre-whole 30 meals. When we had some real food in the house. You know what I'm talking about. You was there. <laughs> now I don't know what we eating. It's just like water with color. <laughs> so what happened was, after we ate, I took Pastor Jeff. I gave him some dap. I hugged him. I loved him. And, and, and Pastor Jamin and Johnny, I love them like they're my, they're my brother's sons. I, I, you have no idea how much I love him. Really don't. Um, so they're there at the house. We're playing and, you know, talking trash and beating each other up, all this good stuff. He was just a young child. Pastor Jeff says, okay, brother. Because he got that, you know, like he got that pastor voice all the time. Brother. 
he left car keys on our table. I said, Pastor Jeff, you forgot your car keys. No, brother, that's for you. We looked outside and they took their station wagon and painted it gray and gave us a car. I never forgot that. So what did I do? I followed his example. Stacy and I had a minivan. We got it all pretty. We gave it to someone in the church. But we found out something a little different. The person we gave the minivan to, title, everything, perfect. We saw it parked on the, they always needed rides to church. They saw that we saw the car always parked to the point the car got towed away. I said, we gave you a car, what happened? She said, I don't know, I ain't had no license. And we was like, what? At that point, I realized we don't give unto just, we don't give to men, we give unto the Lord. Because at first I thought that was a waste of car. We could have blessed someone else with it, right? But then God said, no, you're giving to me. And since then, we haven't had any car issues. To the point to where as I got into real estate at one point, it was a family with six kids and I was collecting rents and stuff. I came home one day, I came to the property and I saw uh, syringes in my rental property. I said, I can't deal with this no more. I'm not, I'm personally not a, I'm not a landlord. I'm an investor, but I can't, I can't manage the people because I love people too much. So I just gave the apartment away. Gave the whole thing away. And never had to look back. When you understand the value in people, you have no problem with giving. So this is how I kind of want to conclude this idea and, and thought process that I want to share with you today. Whenever you come into the presence of a king... Bring your gift. That gift is based on the value that you see the king. When we're talking about Christ, Christ is going to do what royalty calls royal generosity. He's going to give back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will he allow not man, but men, plural, to give unto your bosom. He will multiply the value in which you see that you have in your heart. That's why it's important not to play church. That's why it's important for you to understand the value of who God the Father is. That's why I will preach as, as long as I have this opportunity and out on what I do my own, that we serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace, because of the value that he means to me. When it comes to understanding what forgiveness is, I can remember the stuff that I've been through, and you've heard my testimony. It was hell. I didn't understand religion. I couldn't understand the concept of forgiveness. How can you do so much dirt and be forgiven? What does that mean? Until one day, I met a king. And he grabbed me by my hand. And he lifted me up. He said, I'm not just going to call you a king, but I'm going to give you six kings. 
And those six kings will touch the world. They're not going to grow up like you because they don't have to. But you're going to introduce them to me. And I'm so glad to see that my sons have touched this planet. I'm so thankful, Pastor, that as a church, Impact will start to see the value of the king that we serve. That we're no longer worried about who we once were, but we know who we are. There's a lot of people here that's going through some hellacious things. Loss of fathers, loss of mothers, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, financial despair, loneliness, hurt, pain. But when you understand the king in which you serve, God is going to change your circumstances because we're living under a heaven that's open and we have full access to it. The most important thing that you can remember is not all the scriptures that I threw up on there. It's not all the different stories. It's from your heart to his heart. See the value in which the Lord of Lords is in your life. And all you have to do moving forward is just share your, your experience with the next person. Not your religion. Good luck with that. But your experience. What did he do for you? He loved me. Show me in the Bible where it says that. I may not be able to. I just know he loves me. And because of that, my life has changed. See, the soft answer turns away raft. When you understand value, it's going to cost you this. I'm not worried about this because this can get God. I'm talking this. Lastly, I would say this. That just because some people don't see your value doesn't change your worth. A lot of times we'll find the more value we see ourselves in him, our circle gets smaller. Because we start to get rid of the things that don't have value to us. When you realize value, you'll be like Taisi and Simon on August 30th, coming together as one and sharing that reception with all of us. We're going to see the value you have for her. You're going to look stunning. It's going to be beautiful. But we're going to see how he values her. When a guy goes to get engaged to a girl, I remember Kyle spent like, would you spend Kyle seven, eight, nine thousand grand, something like that? He went buck wild and got her a beautiful ring because he valued her. I've been married, how many years? 33? 33 years. It keeps changing. I keep going up, down, 33, I don't know. But I value my wife. I even hold the door for her. I even make sure that my sons respect her. 
how much more should I do for my Heavenly Father? Lastly, I want you all to keep this in mind. Our pastor is a true man of God. The way you value your pastor is you constantly lift him up in prayer. If you have it in your means, treat him. Encourage him. My life has been changed because of him, and I love him with all my heart. If you see someone else next to you that you love, love on them. Treat them like the royalty God sees them as. Don't devalue your friends. God loves us so much. He gave us so many examples in the Bible. It's up to us to activate that access. So I'm going to pray and allow a pastor to come up and pray. And I want you to never forget your gift is from your heart. Come into agreement with your wife. Come into agreement with your father in heaven. Heavenly Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that we were able to understand the gift you gave us in Christ. Father, let us see Christ for who he is. Let us see ourselves for who we are in you. Father, let us see us in the authority, the position that you've called us, Father. You've called us to be your children. You've taken us as we are. And you've cleaned us with your blood. Thank you, Father, for accepting our gift. It's not about the quantity, but the quality of our love for you. And we ask you, Father, to increase our capacity to give, to bless other people, to show other people the love that you have for us, to show other people you have love for them. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for showing us your value through your son. In Jesus' holy name, I thank you and pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact. Thank you.